1: FOX 2 presents Hancock and Kelly.
0: Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on FOX 2 on your big Labor Day weekend. On the left, we'll start with him, Mr. Labor himself, Michael Kelly. Happy Labor Day. Good to see you. And there he is, John Hancock. Happy Labor Day. Good to see you, and I'm John Brown. We begin this week with a look at the media, political correctness, and the politics in the Justice Department. All right, before we lay out the facts of the James Comey case, it should be pointed out that depending on what you think of Comey, there's something for everyone here to latch on to. The former FBI director James Comey is accused of setting a dangerous example after being fired by President Trump. A report from the Department of Justice blames Comey for leaking memos regarding the special counsel's investigation of the president. The report accuses Comey of giving the memos to a friend who gave them to the media days after he was fired. Now that information was not classified. Comey later came out and said this vindicates me. Others say this implicates you. Doesn't appear he broke the law but acted in a nefarious manner. All right, John Hancock, you're up first on this one. What's the takeaway from what went on with James Comey and the FBI and the DOJ here? Well,
1: he's the only man in America, Brown, that is despised by Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton at the same time. That's that's tough work right there. And and what this showed is that much like the, he should never have released the Clinton stuff uh, mid-investigation during the campaign, uh, he shouldn't have released this stuff either. And now, uh, the DOJ's not going to pursue. They don't believe that he violated the law, and that's what he's clinging on to. But there's a lot of behavior in this IG's report that's very troubling. And, uh, you know, he did not act uh, He did not act in the proper way. Michael, takeaway from the left.
2: Nothing surprising here, right? I mean, he cost Hillary Clinton the election. Uh, this may be the most bipartisan thing to come out of the White House uh, since Donald Trump's been president, is this IG investigation, like John says. We're all locked up together on this. James Goldwyn, go on. Okay.
0: And people that I know who have actually covered him said it's just an outsized ego here. This guy, what is he? Six, seven, bigger than life presence, and he's just that guy. But he also told investigators that he didn't trust the president. That's why he wrote stuff down, because he knew the story would change later. Even the White House counsel, Dom McGann, I believe, did that. So this is further proof of what you've been saying, too, is that. The president changed his stories. He was trying to cover himself, according to him. Well,
2: at the end of the day, he's a good investigator. You don't rise to the top of the FBI unless you're a good investigator, and he knew the type of person he was dealing with with donald trump i don't think it's a
0: surprise he wrote anything down but nothing sticks to donald trump so it doesn't matter this validates the right as well who think the fbi was undermining the president is there a big conspiracy with these agents i mean has this tarnished the agency because yes they used to be so removed from the political side of this now they're in the middle of
1: it yeah and it's really unfortunate because the fbi is the premier law enforcement operation in the world and uh... and they had a very well-earned reputation for being above all of this stuff uh, and this whole trump and the uh, and the whole FISA warrant situation has exposed some some bad actors. And I prefer to think of there are there were some bad actors in that FBI, the institution itself. And I think Chris Ray, the current FBI director, solid guy, uh, we need to be able to respect and trust our FBI. Of all agencies, I think, that one for sure. All right, as you probably heard by now, President
0: Trump lashed out at what used to be his favorite network this week. He now says that Fox News quote isn't working for us anymore. He's been upset lately about critical coverage of him on the network from China to Russia to the economy to the polls to even allowing Democrats on the air to talk. This week he said he's had it. He tweeted the new Fox News is letting millions of great people down. He wrote in a series of tweets that you know he's just tired of all the coverage that's going against him. He says we have to start looking for a new news outlet. Fox isn't working for us anymore. Well, that's when Fox News senior political analyst, Britt Hume, wrote back, he says, Fox News isn't supposed to work for you. Okay, I get it. For years, conservatives thought the so-called mainstream media was against them. Now, Fox is apparently against the president. Is it is it okay to have the opposing side on the air? So here's the problem,
2: and, and Neil Cavuto had a really good segment on this, and he said, look. We're not against you, Mr. President. We're out reporting the facts. And what they're, and there's a question as to whether or not they report the facts. Mm. I don't think that Fox News is fair and balanced, as they say. But they point out that the, what the president says. Russia involved in the election. No, Vladimir Putin's a good guy. China president is a, a danger to us. China president's good. Tariffs are a bad thing. I mean, it's just endless with this guy. And so when the Nav, Fox National News points it out, this president doesn't like the truth. And it's hard when it comes from your own bureau that's supposed to be out advocating for
0: you. I just encourage the president to keep it up. Keep attacking Fox News. That's a lovely strategy. Well, even you and, you know, people on Fox Business especially hate some of these economic policies, especially the tariffs. Right. And he doesn't like that either. But these guys are in it for money. I mean, that's what Fox Business well, is. And it's about the money. They don't care yeah. about the politics. Well,
1: and, and the thing that, that people need to focus on here there's a difference between the opinion shows that are on in prime time mm-hmm. tucker carlson hannity Ugh. uh... i mean they do the president's bidding and very faithfully so just as rachel maddow and others do the other side the news content on fox i would argue is more fair and balanced and delivered in a more fair i'm talking about your brett bears and mm-hmm. your Cavutos, your shepherd Smith. it's straight journalism straight news uh, and I think in that regard, Fox News does a better job than CNN or MSNBC in terms of delivering, delivering honest content. Okay. Yeah. Part of the problem so many people on the right talk
0: about is the media with agendas. Take for example, one like you were mentioning, Lawrence O'Donnell's report this week. He reported that Trump had to turn to foreign countries because no one else would loan him money. He says that a source close to uh, Deutsche Bank said that Trump was only able to obtain some loans by having Russian oligarchs co-sign the loans and that's why he and Putin are so close. Problem is may not have been true. O'Donnell apologized for the report and called his reporting an error in judgment. And here's the issue I have with these shows like you were talking about, John, when you're driven by a narrative, you're blinded to outside information. That's how these mistakes are made. He believed what he was told. Everyone else around him believed it and nobody checked. I think that's the danger of where we're getting here guys with with the opinion media is you believe it everybody else is around you they think just like you so it has to be true and it got he got hung up here well he made a big mistake he's also an opinion show he shouldn't
2: mm-hmm. have done it and he got threatened by the trump campaign and the bigger concern i have is that i don't think that this is only happening at a national level i'm really concerned about agenda journalism happening at the local level as well now we have reputable reporting whether or not the president wants to admit it and the new york times and the washington post But as we see the dwindling news bureaus of our society, we're seeing agenda journalism throughout the country. That's what people are gravitating
1: to. Well, on on the print side in particular, the loss of editors is, I think, a really tragic circumstance in print. Because the print journalists they're the ones that really have the highest uh, journalistic stand i mean president it's tr- company no it's,
0: no no it's absolutely true
1: <laughs> yeah they have to dig in deeper than the most people they, do. you've got to have sources and rules that they that they go through and and losing editors somebody to check because we all have biases reporters have biases you go into a story with a bias uh... And that's why it's very healthy and helpful to have an editor looking over your work making sure that you know, you've really got the facts straight.
0: And also people around you who think differently. Like you guys are a great example. You may believe something, and then you may get called out, and at least you can step back and say, wait a second, why do I believe what I believe? I don't think that happens a lot with people and organizations. (laughs) I've been asking asking him that for years. Anytime I hear something that he and I agree on, I start to wonder why Why? am I wrong on this issue. (laughs) But it's true. When you surround yourself with people, and that's what social media is, who think just like you, you don't bother to question why you believe
1: that's exactly right and you you owe it to yourself to dive in and get all sides gather all information
0: all right still to come on hancock and kelly is it time to hire professionals to run cities and counties a debate is taking place over the best way to run local governments but should we hire someone instead of elect someone to run the show
1: To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Adcock and Kelly. All
0: right, I'm gonna love this debate. It's starting to brew in St. Louis County about who is the right person to lead the county. Not talking about a specific person. The debate is whether we should have an elected county executive like we have now versus a professional who is hired to do the job. The argument against the status quo is this. A hired professional has been trained to do this job. They understand how cities and counties work. They'll bring experience to the position from outside as well. A hired person will also have to answer to the board, which we elect, so there's more accountability. And a hired person can't promise kickbacks for campaign donations, like we saw with the Stinger administration. Uh Michael, you're up first on this one. What do you think about the idea of hiring? Well, so, they they train for this. This is what they do. It's
2: not uncommon. There's city managers in a lot of different cities that happen and they are monitored by the mayor and by the board. You know, from a county perspective, especially a county the size of St. louis no, I don't I don't necessarily think it's the right answer. But We've been doing a lot of things here in St. Louis because we've always done it that way. I'm open to examining everything. We've got to see some change, but I think the current system's fine.
1: What do you think? This is a bad idea. Really? Yeah. Um, hmm. There's a reason why we have a representative democracy in this country, a republic in this country. We elect our leaders. Now, go elect somebody that's honorable will do a good job. They'll find the professionals to come in and advise the county uh, and hire them. If they hire the bad people, then we vote them out. But we have so demonized people who run for office in this country. And to our own detriment, you know, most of the people who run for office that Michael and I work for and work with are good, honorable, decent people. And uh, But you know, as far as most of the public is concerned, they're all crooked, they're all corrupt. There's bad, bad actors, mm-hmm. clearly. Uh, but you're, you're taking votes away from people, and if you, you want the knuckleheads on the county council to, to pick somebody that's not a- accountable to the electorate, no, I I think that's a terrible idea. See, the argument that I like on this one, though, is
0: you can run for office and have no experience, which, you know, it's, uh, Sam Page is a doctor. I hear he's a fantastic doctor, knows how to run his business. Steve Singer was a Lord, lawyer. Lord they haven't been trained in what happens and works in other cities and and the management... Well, yeah, I don't the know. President that's the argument. was
2: a reality TV show. John's right. It's, you but know, but you don't one like person, that one, one No, not really, but that's the will of the people. There is a city manager form of government that a lot of places, but they, the elected officials are in charge of hiring them and who you right. hold ultimately accountable is the, are those elected officials. If you want to bring in
0: professional help to help you run and govern a county, by all means. Okay. All right, state of Missouri government about to have a special session. Won't entail as much as some people wanted, though. The governor called the special session to deal with an issue that seems to be more prevalent in rural Missouri, not seeming to be a big deal in the cities. It's in regards with how to deal with vehicle purchases and taxes when people trade in more than one vehicle for another one. Lawmakers from St. Louis City and County, even some Kansas City folks, wanted a discussion on gun control. The governor rhetorically shot that down. Uh, John, you're up for a yeah. special session. I mean, explain this. Why, why don't we go into guns and everything else when these special sessions? Are-
1: well, you don't want a special session to run forever. Uh, If if you've got a particular issue or or a particular thing that's got to get addressed and you can do it quickly, that's the purpose of a special session, precisely this tax issue with the vehicles. That'll take a day. Mm. Uh, You want to throw gun legislation out there in front of that crew? Uh, You're never going to resolve anything, and there will be no end to the special session, and and nothing's going to get done. It might make some people feel good to have a debate, but nothing's gonna happen, and nothing uh, that would come out of that is gonna make any difference anyway.
2: So we can have a special session for a couple of people who wanna sell cars, and we're gonna call in the legislature for that purpose. There are babies dying in St. Louis, and in Kansas City, and in Springfield due to gun crimes and out of control crime. This is a problem for the whole state of Missouri. Mike Parson wants to govern just part of the state of Missouri. There's St. Louis, Kansas City, and Springfield. This is not just a Democratic issue. You have a Republican mayor in Springfield saying, we need to address out-of-control gun laws that may work in some place where six people live, but surely doesn't work
1: in the economic engine of the state of Missouri. Explain to me how the Missouri General Assembly... Is going to solve the gun problem that we have in the Explain
2: to me why we can have a special session for automobile purchases, but we won't deal it with babies dying in our cities. We have a crime crisis that's happening in all three of the major urban areas in this state. And we have a governor who wants to pretend like it's not happening. No. People are frustrated. What we look to for government when we have crisis is we want people to stand up and act. Now, you may not want to like the, some of the gun proposals that would come up, but to
1: not have a special session to deal with babies dying in our cities is criminal. Here's how you deal with babies dying in our cities. Enforce the law. Enforce the gun laws. When people use a gun in a crime, lock them up. The, the, the crime that's happening in St. Louis is illegal guns on the street. There is nothing that's going to happen in Jefferson City that's going to solve that problem. Enforce the law. Right
2: now, a police officer in the city of St. Louis pulls over five people who have guns in their cars all he can do is look at him and say, hey, hope you're having a good day. Move along. John, these laws may work in parts of Missouri. They're not working here and in Springfield and Kansas City.
0: talked to a criminologist this week that said, he asked the interesting question. He said, do we really want to solve this problem? Because everybody, we had how many meetings this week? We had Lacey Clay in town. We had all these meetings this week, and the only city to ever really knock down crime, he pointed out, is what New York City did. The only problem is you can't do that now because policies like stop and frisk are seen as violating rights. And in some cases, they say it's racist. New York City went from the most dangerous city in America to the safest in a matter of years. Those crimes cut, or those programs cut crime 75%. So I think the bigger question is do we really want to do it, or do we want to just say, well, no, 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 we're going to violate? I mean, that's the difficult issue. We have
2: two Missouri's right now. We have those of us who live in the urban areas and those of us who live everywhere else. Unfortunately, right now, we have a governor and a legislature who wants to ignore the fact of those of us who live in these urban areas. We are in crisis in these places as it relates to crime, as it relates to poverty, as it relates to gun laws. Leadership is standing up. Forty percent of the tax revenue for the whole state comes from this side of the state of Missouri. And we have a governor who wants to ignore that we even exist. Go to the
1: cities with the most restrictive gun laws. Chicago, Mm -hmm. shooting people up like Dodge City. Washington, D.C., you know, restrictive gun laws that, that actually abridge the rights of law-abiding citizens don't address the core problems here.
0: All right, still to come on Hancock & Kelly, AOC says something about millennials that may surprise you a bit. It wasn't technically a shot at other generations, but it certainly shows a unique perspective on life. Time for some news potpourri. Well, tomorrow is Labor Day. This is the big Labor Day weekend. According to some new numbers, the state of labor is strong right now. Gallup put out some recent numbers showing that 64% of Americans approve of unions, which is up 16% from 2009. That includes 82% of Democrats, 61% of independents and 45% of Republicans. Uh, We'll go to you first, Mr Labor here. Why, Why do you think we're seeing the uptick? in not only approval but membership in unions since the day the afl cio was created
2: when they merged it was an organization that got smaller for the first time in four decades it's starting to get bigger i think it's mainly because we have an economy that's humming for some but not for all and we're also seeing non-traditional trades and groups out there join unions doctors nurses accountants engineers who are looking to find have a collective voice at their work? It's a good thing.
0: I'll just throw it out: centralization of power. We've seen all the all the organizations being bought up. You know, they're getting under one umbrella. You think that has anything to do with it?
1: I don't know. Uh, I'm not a fan of public service unions, uh, the ones that have government. But uh, that's another story and for another time. The the but the trades in this country, you know, those unions, they, you know, they serve their people and. Uh, and I would I would hasten to add, Brown, yes. that an increasing percentage of those trade union voters out there are voting Republican. Uh, a big, healthy chunk of them voted for well, Donald Trump. Like a lot of
2: independents, they bought into the lies with Donald Trump that haven't manifested in his policies.
0: So I don't think you'll be seeing that again. Uh, i bet you do. All right, let's talk about elected officials. Is it time to ban them from using Twitter? Not because of free speech. It's for their own good. <laughs> the latest instance this week is... Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC. Now, here's what she said. She said that millennials and Gen Z are better informed and more well-versed in history than previous generations. The 29-year-old congresswoman says the new generation is brave because they're actually willing to go to the streets. Previous generations have just assumed that government's got it. Okay, you guys remember the song by Mike and the Mechanics, I believe? Every generation blames the one before. She obviously forgot about the part of all the protesters in the civil rights movement. Right, lead up to world wars. I mean, all of this. What's the perspective here, John Hancock? You're up first on this one.
1: Yeah, uh, the only thing I can say. These about, are the
0: first people to ever, ever take to the streets.
1: The only thing I can say about Alexandria Octavio Cortez, Cassio, whatever it is, is she will never be a returning champion on Jeopardy. <laughs> uh, and, and Not, not once.
2: Uh, look, she's different speaking network. for her generation. <laughs> she's speaking for the people that she, what she knows, which is the life around her. I don't have a problem with what she's saying. I agree every generation fights for its thing. Millennials are no worse than Gen X or Gen Y or even the baby boomers who might be quite possibly be the most selfish generation to ever live on the planet.
0: Love the baby boomers. I yeah and I guess we do. I mean you take the perspective that you're you're dealt with, you know, if you don't know what previous generations did, that's why we need to ban them from Twitter for some. You know what well, would so help everybody? <laughs> we are What's dumbing a- as a society. Take
1: a history class out there and then take an economics class while you're at it. That'd, that'd solve a lot of would problems. Would that
2: be including Republicans actually understanding what the word socialism means?
1: Oh, yeah, buddy.
0: Okay. We understand it very well. <laughs> All right. It's time run, for Final Thoughts coming up right after this on Hancock & Kelly. Stick around.
2: do oh, run, run, run.
0: Time for final thoughts here on Hancock and Kelly, and you were up first today, sir. Well, we all work for a living, right? Yes. I don't care what it is that you do out there. If you work, this is your holiday,
2: Labor Day, the one day we celebrate all of us. Anybody who goes out there, works for a living,
0: works hard, pays their taxes, happy Labor Day, everybody. I'm proud to be in a union that also has members like Brad Pitt who pay significantly into our pension. And hey, well, Hancock and I are in that union, <laughs> right.
1: too. You know, you know right. who else has a <laughs> like union? It. The football players out yes, there, Yes, do. and uh, yeah, we got this uh, Carly Lloyd. The soccer player. Yeah, the soccer from the women's national team. Mm-hmm. Here she is kicking a 50-yard field goal. Wow. And on this Labor Day, I want to go on the record and say if Carly Lloyd wants to play in the NFL, I'm all for it. Ditto. I'd love to
0: see it. If she thinks she can. I heard you guys debated on the radio on Friday. Fantastic. Let her go.
1: I'm for it. Kind of looks like old Hancock out there kicking the ball 50 yards down the field.
0: As we get older, we get more delusional. But thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. If you missed any part of the show, you can download it on your smartphone. Search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next. We'll see you back here next Sunday. All right.